welcome. Thanks for tuning in. So glad you are here. It's the first weekend of October, and man, it seems like where has the year gone? But so glad you have found us. And if this is your first time, we certainly are glad you are here and would invite you to do us a favor and click on the digital connection card or leave a comment in the chat. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, scroll all the way down in the description. You can find a link there to our digital connection card. And we'd love to know your email address and your name. And if there's a prayer request you might have or if there's even a question you'd like to ask, we'd certainly like to be of service. And so we certainly hope it's not your last time. So again, we're glad you're here. And if this is your spiritual home, we are equally glad that you are here and are grateful that you've tuned in and would invite you to use those same connection opportunities, the, the digital connection card up here or in the chat or scroll down in the description and please leave us any information that we might need to know. So today is the 54th anniversary of the Crop Walk and it is a program that has been around since uh, just after World War II, uh, Church World Service, and I'm excited that we're going to step off again and we'd invite you to join us in that. If you can't walk with us, we're going to leave from to Marion Avenue downtown at uh, St. Luke's Point of Grace and do about a two and a half mile loop. And if you can be part of that, join us there. If not, and you'd like to be a stakeholder in uh, helping us help those in need here in our community with uh, food issues, we'd invite you to click on the link here in the worship notes and you can leave a gift and we're grateful for your partnership. And then this week also was another milestone for the See You at the Pole which is a program that has been going on, this is the 33rd year, and it happens at local schools in front of their flagpoles. This year I was surprised we only had one student who organized, attempted to organize, put up posters around Mansfield Senior High and Mansfield Middle School, and he showed up by himself. His name is Dominic, and I'm so proud of him for leaning in. And we spent some time, he and I, and a couple of the teachers, and we prayed for the school, we prayed for his peers, and prayed for him that he would have boldness. But yeah, check out this image of him. So grateful for his willingness to be a witness to the kingdom. And so we want to pray for him as he will be launching this year at the school a reorganization of what we call Life Club, which is an after-school program for students to gather and encourage each other. We want to pray that he sees fruits from his efforts. And also on Monday, I got an invitation to head up to Heartfelt Radio on Tuesday morning talk about a Pew Research article that just came out about the just where Americans are in relationship to their dismal views of the nation's politics. And we're not really surprised by that, but we had a great conversation and you can listen to that. There's a link here in the worship notes. And because as we go into the November elections, which are just a month or so away, we want to be informed. And I think we can be uh, great encouragers. Today is the launch of our fall 2023 spiritual growth campaign where we're going to be walking through uh, this book by Rick Warren called Created a Dream and going to be doing a small group experience. And again, if you'd like to participate in that uh, virtually, there is a link here in the worship notes that you can sign up and we'll get the information to you. And if you'd like to be involved in that in person, We'd invite you to join us here at the church at 5 o'clock. We're going to have a pot providence meal and then lean into the first session. I'm excited for what God will do as we lean into this season together. So we are in our first week here of the Created a Dream series. And we'll be teaching through it here in our worship experience. And then we'll be unpacking it together in small groups as we 
uh, just look at what God has for us in this season. Uh, I'm reminded right last week, that great verse we looked at from Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, right? You remember when we said that uh, God has set before us an open door that no one can shut. That's going to be our encouragement as we walk together, that there is a door in front of us that God has presented. It's open for us to walk into and that no one can shut, and we will see what God does with that. And as we begin this, I simply want to say this, that all that God wants to do in our life, he does with us on the basis of faith. In fact, I've heard it said that faith is to the Christian life what is a mainspring to a watch. Maybe not the digital watch you have, obviously, but back in the day when they were mechanical, the mainspring made it all work. That it, our faith is indispensable. It's at the heart of all that we're about. And in reality, we all have faith, uh, faith in, in all sorts of things. Uh, even I would suggest an atheist who doesn't believe in God, he has faith. Now, the only difference is it's where you put your faith in and, and then the amount that you have in that. I'm curious how many of you would say that you'd like to have more faith in your life. You might even put that in the chat to say, yes, I'd love to have it. Uh, in fact, Paul says to us in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, how do you get more faith? He says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Because you see, the Bible is how we get our faith. It's, it's because we listen and read God's word. And so we're going to look at a lot of scriptures today. And we're going to look at how those scriptures unpacked and give us a picture of the kind of faith that we need to have, a positive faith, and how that faith can make a difference in your life, how that faith can help you grow and also can help you process doubt. So as we begin this journey, let's begin first with looking at what is the benefits of having faith? What does faith do for us? It's interesting, the Bible uses the word faith or the word believing uh, 485 times in the New Testament alone. Now, let me ask you this, what does faith do to me? Well, let's just unpack this here. First, faith helps us determine what God can do in my life. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. So basically what God is saying, you get to choose. You get to choose how many blessings you want to have in your life. You get to choose how many answered prayers, and you also get to choose how much he can work in our life. It's all according to our faith. And what's amazing when we look at scripture, there's some 7,000 promises in the Bible, and the reality is it's our faith that will unlock those for us. That's what determines what God will and can do in our life. So then we also want to say the second point is that faith can solve impossible problems. I'm sure you've heard this verse many times, right? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible to you. Now, some of us are facing some impossible situations, and we need to hear this verse. And I want to say, too, it doesn't take a lot of faith, but you can put a little faith into who God is because he's a big God. And I believe that you will get big results. And so then also we want to say that faith is the key to answered prayer. Again, this we've heard this said before, right? If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. I know many of us probably have prayed, uh, dear God, uh, if you're not too busy and if you can afford it, uh, here's my request. But it's interesting that what the Bible tells us very directly is you believe you can receive it and then you will have it. 
So it, this attitude needs to be for us to believe in advance. It's the key to how to have answered prayer. And then faith is the secret to achievement. It's where the Bible reminds us that everything is possible for him who believes. Now, why is that true? Well, it's true because faith turns dreams into reality. It gives us the confidence to move ahead. It's all about goal setting. It, goal setting can actually be a statement of faith, if you will. The gentleman who helped to found the space age, uh, Werner von Braun, he said, there has never been a single great achievement in history without faith. It's the secret to achievement. Everything is possible for him who believes. And then we also see that faith is the basis for miracles. In fact, Jesus says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing, even greater things. Now, that's got to be one of the most amazing verses in the Bible when we stop and think about it. And I wonder, when we really do ponder it, how many of us are really doing greater things than Jesus? I don't think I've done half as many things as Jesus has done uh, in terms of uh, what he's offered so many. And yet he says this to us. And, and why does he say that? Well, because when we pray as followers of Jesus, miracles can happen. And they can happen all over the world. And they can happen just as if Jesus was right here in our midst. The miracles we know were confined to where Jesus was. But we know, too, when we pray, we can see that God does many things in many places. And that we can believe in advance for his uh, presence in all those things. Now, you, there may be a question you have about whether or not God does miracles today. But I want to suggest that he does. I, I see it all the time in the conversations I get to have. I uh, spent some time again in the Mansfield Correctional this week and was really encouraged by one of the young men whose uh, life is really upside down. He's serving a life sentence. And yet his attitude, as we talked about being a man and, and, being, and his dreams for the future, even though he's going to serve a long time, he still has aspirations that he can be a faithful follower of Jesus, even when he's on the inside and locked up. We know that God does miracles through people, and he does them through prayer. And it's the basis for how miracles take place. Now, one aspect of faith is that the Bible teaches us that we, when we have a lack of faith, it is a sin. And it's interesting, everything that does not come from faith is sin, we're, we're told. I don't know how much you blew it this week. I know I did a couple times. But the reality is, is that everything that does not come from faith, God really wants us to depend upon him. And so in those moments of doubt and, and just the, the idea of where we seem to be overwhelmed, it's where we need to even place more faith in the fact that God's going to show up. And then we know, too, that this thing called faith is the way to please God. In fact, again, we're told without faith it is impossible to please God. You know, those of us that are parents— how many of us are pleased when our children put their trust in us, even as adult children? And so, therefore, the same thing is true for our Heavenly Father. He is pleased when his children put their trust in him. And that's how we please him. That's how we bring joy to his heart. And then I want to say here in our eighth idea is that it produces success in living. Now, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, The victory that overcomes the world is our faith. It is our faith. It's what we put our faith in. That what ends up happening is when we have faith, it gives us confidence. And what it does is it literally neutralizes fear. It gives us the ability to push in or lean in or even press on. 
mean, think about some stories out of Scripture. For example, can you imagine Moses and Aaron standing before the Red Sea as it's getting ready to part? And Moses turns to Aaron and says, all right, Aaron, you first. Or uh, how about ladies first? I mean, no, all, we'll let all the women go, right? No, that's not the way. What happens is faith gives them and gives us, as we hear these stories, the ability to have the confidence to move ahead with surety of what God is going to do and that it will produce success in our life. Now, I'm wondering how many of us think I'd like to have my faith increased. You know, sign me up, right? Uh, faith is the indispensable element of our Christian life. So what is it ultimately? For us as Christians, we're, we're told we're to live by faith. And we know that the Bible says, and yet most Christians, if I would ask the question, uh, give me a practical definition of faith, they'd say, well, faith is trusting God. Now, that's true. But let me ask you this. How do you trust God? Even more importantly, and is diving into it at a deeper level, how do you make it practical? How does this apply to my life? How does it apply to my marriage? How does it apply to my job? And and those kinds of things. Even when I think about my men that I serve in prison, I think about the journey they're on. And it's easy for me because I get to leave at the end of my session, but they're there. Uh, like my young friend who I mentioned, who I had a pretty honest conversation with, and and he committed his crime in, uh, when he was 16. He's now 20, and yet he's looking at, uh, I think, his parole date for eventual release, if he could get out, for consideration is in 2045. That's a long time. And yet offering him encouragement of scripture that even while he's on the inside, there's things that he can bring about through his faith in God and trusting God. And then what I want to do now is let's unpack this idea of what faith is, because I think it's such an important concept that I don't think we can really use one simple definition for it. I, I want to suggest, and Pastor Warren does this in our curriculum, is help us to see that faith is like a diamond. It has many different faces or facets to it. It's, uh, it has many different shapes and sides. And so, so let's take a look here at eight facets of faith. So we're going to answer the question, what is faith? And we're going to look at eight definitions. First, faith is stretching my imagination. The Bible says to us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, God is able to do more than you can think or imagine. Now, that's a pretty amazing statement when you think about it, right? You can think of the greatest things in your mind that you can possibly imagine, and God says, I can outdo that. You ain't seen nothing yet, even maybe. My question to you is, what can you imagine? Because the greatest thing you can imagine in your life, God says, I can outdo it. There's a beautiful story out of the first book in the Bible in Genesis 15. Here's an amazing example of the first principle that faith starts by stretching the imagination, that faith always begins with an idea, a concept, a vision, a dream, a mental picture or image. It starts with an idea. And we know this story, right? God comes to Abraham one day and says, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. And so here in Genesis chapter 15, he says, you're going to have a lot of children. Well, Abraham in his own mind, knows that that's kind of hard to believe. Why? Well, he was well up into his 90s. In fact, he was right at the door of being 100 years old. And so he didn't even have a child yet. And so God says to him, you're going to be the father of a great nation. And Abraham's response is, right, right? 
But here's what God says. He says, I can see I'm going to have to give you a picture. And so in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a dream. See, it's a vision. And then in verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to him and said, This man, he was talking about a guy named Eliezer, he's not going to be your heir, but a son is coming from your own body who will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Look at the heavens, count the stars, indeed, if you can count them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. What does the story tell us? Well, God is saying to Abraham, I'm going to stretch your imagination here, dude. And he took him outside, and he shows him the heavens. And he, as he looks up at the stars, Abraham sees all the stars that he can see from horizon to horizon. And then God basically says to him, try counting them, dude. And that's how many descendants you're going to have. And so this story gives us encouragement to understand that faith always begins with a picture, a mental image, a, a dream, a vision, an idea, a concept. And God, as Heavenly Father, says, here's something you can visualize. So you can imagine every night as Abraham from that day went forward, as he walked outside, he looked up and said, man, that's going to be my family someday. In fact, the entire Jewish nation came out of this man. So God starts by stretching our imagination. So I'm wondering, what can you conceive and believe? Maybe saying it this way, what you can conceive and believe, you can achieve. You see, faith starts with stretching our imagination. Faith is visualizing the future in the present. Faith begins by stretching our imagination. And so that's how it starts. The second facet of faith is that it's taking the initiative. Another story out of the New Testament in Mark chapter 5, there's about a woman, we've looked at this a couple times, who's been sick for 12 years. She had an issue of blood. She was a hemophiliac, and she could not stop the bleeding in her life. That made her ceremonial and unclean. And so what that meant was, as we looked at this a couple weeks ago, is that she had no social life. Uh, she couldn't be out in a crowd. And then one day she heard that Jesus was coming to town and she said, if I could just touch his robe, I'll be healed. So she took the initiative and she made a daring act. And she went out in the crowd and pushes her way through the crowd and comes up behind Jesus and touches the back of his robe and is instantly healed. Now, what's beautiful here is that Jesus recognizes that touch of faith. He says, right, who touched me? Now we know everyone's pressing in. And so she had to squirm away to the front, and he says, who touched me? And then the disciples, they're all sort of put out. In fact, let's take a moment and let's watch that video clip again. Who touched me? Everybody back. I asked the question. Who touched me? Man. 
Master, the crowds are pressing in all around you like this, and you're asking who touched you? They all have. Someone touched me. I felt that power went out of me. Whoever touched me, come forward. Teacher. It was me. Just the fringe of your garment, only the edge, I promise. You are not unclean. Why my garment? I'm sorry. I know I should have asked. But if, if you touched me, it would make you ritually unclean according to the law. I was sick. I was sick for 12 years. I bled and, and no one could stop it. But, but I believed if I could just touch a piece of your garment. <laughs> I was right. <laughs> Thank you. Who told you I could heal? A man from the pool. And he was right. The blood is ceased. My daughter. I'm no one's daughter anymore. Look up. Yes, you are. Daughter. It wasn't my piece of clothing that healed you. But it was instant. I felt it right away. I know. But it wasn't this. It was your faith. But what's beautiful here is we see it played out and are reminded that Jesus knows the difference. That as the woman comes out, and remember what he says to her? He says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. That's such a beautiful understanding that she had to take the initiative. And yeah, she broke some rules. And she went beyond the boundaries, if you will. And she pushed in, leaned in, pressed ahead. She got through the crowd and see what happens to her. And so we want to see, as, as this example gives us, is that it's committing ourselves to action, that we have to act. In fact, we could say it this way, is that faith is the answer to procrastination. So how does faith overcome procrastination? How does it help me get in gear, if you will, to get off dead center, to break out of the rut, and to move ahead and take the initial step? How does it help me quit being indecisive and waffling back and forth, like sitting on the fence? How can I take the initiative? Well, it's about faith. Faith is stretching my imagination and it's taking the initiative. Faith is also, here is the third facet, uh, risking failure. There is no faith without risk. Faith means you've got to step out into the unknown and you don't know what's in the unknown. See, that's the problem, right? The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. That means we walk. Looking with spiritual eyes, not with physical eyes. We look at it from God's point of view, not from our point of view. That can be scary. And yet, faith is letting go of our security, knowing that God's got it. Faith is saying to God, I'm going to face my fears. I'm going to risk to fail. 
and I'm going to take a dare. Even this week as I sat in the prison, I was reminded it's a little scary. And yet when you sit across knee to knee, toe to toe in chairs in a room with someone who's just trying to figure out life, it is a humbling enterprise. And then the response is like, thank you so much. I'm always amazed at how, as we wrap up the class time, that all the men are very sure to come by and say, thanks for being here. That's humbling. And yet, I got to tell you, when you walk through the front doors of the prison, it's a little scary. The doors clank and you go in without any technology and you only get out when they let you out. And, and so that can be a little unsettling. And so we need to see that it is about taking a risk. And then we need to see, too, that faith, the fourth facet, if you will, is expecting the best. Again, this verse out of Matthew that we've looked at already, according to your faith, it will be done unto you, Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. You see, faith has to have expectation. Faith has to have a positive expectation that we need to expect God to answer, that he's going to show up, that he's going to give a solution and going to come through, that we're going to expect things to work out, that we will expect things to be successful. Even this week in another class in our county jail, one of the traits I put up on the board is about a man needs to be successful. And all the men to, to their name said, none of us are successful. And I had to push a little bit to say, okay, you're right. You're here. You're incarcerated. You're right. That's not being successful. But the fact that you're here at class, the fact that you're trying to figure out how to be a better father, how to be a better man, there is some success there. And so context of success is always important to see. And so we need to see and have an expectation to see how God will show up. In fact, one of the things that Rick says in the book is that we tend to see what we expect to see. Or he says we hear what we expect to hear. Or even the idea that we act the way we expect to act. It's that expectation of saying, good morning, Lord. Or the tension of saying, good Lord, it's morning. It's one way or the other. And so it's what you expect. And when we do that, we set ourselves up for either failure or success, for things being fulfilled or things frustrating our, our daily life. So we want to say that faith is expecting the best. Faith is something that stretches us. And it's about taking a risk and knowing that God is going to show up, expecting him to show up. But sometimes we know, right, we see that in so many different ways in the scriptures, and maybe you've seen it in your own life, I know I've seen it in mine, is that the answer doesn't always come quickly. Sometimes there's a delay. Sometimes the healing doesn't happen, like the story of the woman for 12 years with the issue of blood. That's crazy. But for all in that moment, so everyone could see, it's powerful and beautiful. And so the question is, what do you do while there's a delay, while you're waiting? Well, you exercise faith, and that leads us to our fifth facet, which faith is waiting for the answer. To be honest, waiting is the evidence of our faith. Psalm 40 verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he heard my cry and delivered me. I waited patiently. See, that's an evidence of faith. How you respond when you're waiting is an evidence of your faith. Now, the question can be asked, right? How long can you wait? You know what? That's the mark of maturity. And for many of us, that's what we struggle with, right? Because we've not learned the uh, difference between no and not yet. Because, see, when we hear that word not yet, somehow we think that means it's not going to happen. 
But you see, maturity is all about the ability to wait it out. Faith, you see, is the waiting for the answer. And we know that sometimes the answer is delayed. And when we look at Scripture, there are so many stories about how people had to wait for God. All during that time, what was God doing? He was working. Even the great song that we sing, Waymaker, we're reminded that even when we don't see him, he's working. That was the song that my friend Dominic chose uh, prior to showing up on uh, See at the Pole Wednesday morning at uh, 7 a.m. And as we sang that song, he said it early. I, I don't know what God's doing as we talked afterwards, but he was encouraged because those words ring true. That yes, when God is working and we see him, it's amazing. But it's when we don't see him that we know that he is working faithfully in the background. So, you know, think about it. The story of the children of Israel, right? How long did they wait for the deliverer to set them free from their slavery? Well, it was almost 400 years. Man, that's a long time to wait. And then even when Moses showed up as a deliverer, right, they had to wait another 80 years. So because it took 40 years for him to grow up in Pharaoh's palace, and then it was another 40 years for him to go to the backside of the desert to be trained. And then Moses shows up at 80 years of age and finally decides to lead them out. You see, God's timing is perfect, and that's what we need to hang on to. And really what it's all about is the sixth facet, if you will, of our faith is following the instructions. So let's jump to the book of Hebrews, where in chapter 11, verse 8, it says, faith is following the instructions even when they don't make sense, right? Even when they don't seem logical or rational or you don't understand them. What does it say here? It says, following the instructions obediently. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's faith, right? So can you imagine God comes to Abraham one day out at the office and taps him on the shoulder, right? That's how it sort of plays out in my mind. And he says, what? Abraham, we're moving. And what is Abraham's response? Oh, man, that's so great. That's fantastic. Where are we going? And then God says to him, you don't need to know. Uh, excuse me? Uh, Abraham then can say maybe, well, how soon before we leave? And then God says, right now. And Abraham asks the next question, which seems perfectly logical, is what's it going to be like? And God said, milk and honey. Hmm. Great. I mean, those are all beautiful words, right? Really descriptive. And then he's like, well, how will I know it, what it is when I get there? God says, I'll tell you. And then Abraham asks the next question, which makes perfect sense, is, well, how long is it going to take? And God's response is, don't worry. Okay. And then Abraham goes home to his wife and says, honey, we're moving. Let's pack, right? I mean, this, this is an amazing story here because we see here that it took faith. It says, Abraham, when called to a place he'd later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. You see this idea of faith that it is obedience. It's following the instructions. And then part of this is seeing the seventh facet is that faith is being persistent. Faith is keeping on, keeping on. Faith is never giving up. Faith is continuing to persevere. The fact is people of faith simply don't know how to quit. That's the way it should be, that we never give up. They keep on keeping on. They keep at it, keep leaning in. They stay at it. Inch by inch, they work at it. And we know sometimes we're waiting, and we know that's passive, right? But sometimes you're being persistent, and that's what? That's being active. You're working, 
and you're striving and you're continuing to move in. I, I look at the story of what we've done here with the Jericho Wall, rather what God has done from a concept and an idea, a dream, to where it's now uh, bearing fruit. And now the other side where we're at is trying to figure out how do we manage this because we've continued to get names, we've continued to have some issues with just somebody didn't mean it in this way, but it was sort of vandalization of the wall. They spray painted a couple names of people they wanted to be recognized, and we had to say, wait a minute, there's a process here, partly because we want to properly acknowledge. And so we're having some conversations about how do we best do that. And then finally, we get to the end of this idea of being persistent. What is, we need to be reminded too, uh, that the book of Galatians tells us, let us not be weary in well-doing. We're going to reap the harvest if we don't faint. In other words, we have to pace ourselves or we have to use a rhythm. And so we don't want to give up. We don't want to give in. We need to be persistent. And then finally, our eighth facet today is faith is rebounding from failure. That that's really, I love the quote from Winston Churchill about success is being able to go from one failure to the next without a loss of enthusiasm, right? That's where we have to be. In the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 43, it says, faith is rebounding from failure. The fact is, everybody fails in life. We all do. Uh, every week, probably. If you're honest, there's something that comes up that we don't succeed on. That, and so we need to be reminded that none of us are perfect, that we all make mistakes, that a successful person is not a person who's never failed. A person who's successful who got up from one failure and moved on to the next, and that we continued, that we persevered, that we didn't let it get us down. And so failure is never final unless we let it be final. Again, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 says, God says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Wow. What does he say here in verse 19? See, I'm doing a new thing. You see, God is a God of newness. And then he says, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. He says, I'm going to bring productivity where there has been barrenness. I'm going to bring success where there has been failure. I'm going to bring fulfillment where there has been frustration. I'm going to bring water in the middle of the desert, he says. I'm going to take a useless life, and I'm going to turn it into a useful life. He says, forget the past. Don't dwell on it. I'm going to do a new thing. That's what rebounding from failure is all about. Now, some of us are still reacting to things that have happened to us, uh, maybe a divorce or a bankruptcy or maybe a major embarrassment. You see, faith, what it basically says to us is that we shouldn't have a pity party. Faith says, I will not look at the past. I will go ahead. I will look at the future. I will see what God will do. I will see what he can do in my life. I will see what I can become, not what I have been or what I am. And so when you focus forward, you move forward. That's what faith does. It looks ahead. As we think about this, this idea that uh, how to create the dream, how to, when we see this idea, this theme of our series, Created a Dream, we see that it first lands on this very fundamental understanding of our faith. And so with that, let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this thing called faith. And as we've looked at these definitions, help us better embrace that as part of our story. Thank you for your promises that are sure. And as we lean in this journey together, may we grow to see you in new and different ways. Jesus, thank you for rescuing us. And we pray it through your strong name now. Amen. <music>